Welcome to the CIO Evolution. In this podcast, we'll explore the Chief Information Officer's role in executing a new ongoing leadership imperative, digital transformation that promotes agility and resilience. How do CIOs upgrade legacy networks? What are the financial challenges CIOs face? And what are the security measures that are required in the new work-from-anywhere mobile and cloud-based world? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the CIO Evolution. I'm your host, Chris Jablonski, Director of CXO Revolutionaries and Community. Today, I welcome Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy is the Vice President at Zscaler, who leads the value creation and sales enablement teams. He's a DevSecOps leader who's been with the company for three years with prior stints at Accenture, Apple, AppDynamics, among other leading consulting and tech companies. And an important note, Mike will be leading a keynote panel, as well as an interactive breakout session at the upcoming global CISO exchange in Miami, February 15th through the 17th, building a secure and resilient enterprise. And the topics you'll cover are related to the economics of cloud security, which is also what we're gonna cover today. And Mike is also an avid proponent and practitioner of classical education, which in a way means asking the right questions is at the heart of any meaningful conversation and exchange. And with that, let's get started. Mike, tell me, what do you plan to focus on at the CISO Exchange in Miami next month? Yeah, Chris, um, thanks for having me on. And as uh, you mentioned, the title of that event, uh, which was recommended by our customers, is Building a Secure and Resilient Enterprise. So we'll focus on the nuts and bolts of making that happen. Uh, My session in particular will be on the economic rationale for that, uh, as well as the best practices for gaining approval, ensuring stakeholder buy-in, et cetera. Uh, So in short, how the best change agents within their organizations make that happen. That's what we'll be talking about. Are you looking forward to potentially meeting and speaking with Andy Greenberg, the uh, cybersecurity journalist and author of Sandworm? I hear he's uh, doing the closing keynote. Um, yes. Uh, the only problem is I, I think I'm I'm packaged uh, right before that, so uh, I have a lot to live up to on that front. But definitely looking forward to to hearing Andy talk. Hopefully, you get a chance to meet him as well. So, what topics are you anticipating will be discussed in those sessions? Yeah, I'm actually really pleased about uh, this event. It, it's going to be more than just me talking on this subject. Uh, in fact, the, the way I look at it, I'll be mostly facilitating. Uh, we'll go in-depth uh, in my session with, with one customer in particular who's led the charge around making a dramatic impact on the good of the business, uh, establishing that secure and resilient foundation with Zscaler. And that's really set his company up for agility and, and reaping lots of benefits. Uh, and then after that, I'll, I'll pop out and host an interactive breakout and open conversation among a dozen or so uh, CISOs and security experts about how they've done this, uh, their lessons learned. Uh, it's a hear from your peers type of thing uh, because every one of our customers is at a different stage and uh, they can all learn so much from each other's experience and, and what's worked and, and what they do differently. Uh, so yes, um, <laughs> thanks again, Chris, for letting me get a bit of a, some free advertising for, for that event. Uh, so please do attend the CISO Exchange, my session and breakout, and I guarantee you'll take home some excellent change agent material. Thank you for, for bringing that up. And just a question, that customer that you're going to go in depth on, are you at the liberty to let us know who that is, or is that kind of like a secret and a big reveal at the event? 
Yeah, we're we're lining up. Uh, we've lined up Alex Barani, the um, the deputy CISO from CSX Corp. So um, he and I have have worked together before, and and Alex is is just uh, so articulate on on this topic. So it'll be great. Well, let's pivot to what you do. You got a couple joint responsibilities: value creation and sales enablement. Interesting. How do these two go together? Uh, yeah, they they really do. I I think if you if you kind of compare it uh, to the security realm, we talk about SASE, or uh, in other words, extending your secure access out to the furthest service edge. Uh, in a similar way, that the two responsibilities that I have and the teams I have at Zscaler, uh, we push our advisory consulting out to that furthest edge, trying to help our customers as directly as possible by bringing them information and, and thought leadership as they're evaluating Zscaler, uh, making sure their Zscaler account teams are anticipating their in-depth informational needs, as well as prescribing best practices on how to translate uh, their applicable use cases into benefits, uh, building that collaborative business case, if you will. And I, I do wanna say we, we have an awesome, uh, experienced, uh, high caliber team across uh, value consulting and sales enablement. Uh, they're in each geography, working with our customers, large and small. Um, really, as we consider it, serving as an extension of our customers team, because I, I think in this SaaS, high information, fast moving, uh, real time world, that's the partnership required in the model that works. Even to the extent, uh, I, I well mentioned recently, we were complimented. Uh, there was an article in, in Seeking Alpha, an opinion piece uh, developed completely on their own uh, this past December. And, and that piece stated, you know, when a vendor can dig deep and see the bigger picture at a customer, it becomes much easier to show where the savings can be made and what the return is. As a result, Zscaler is aligned uh, with its customers as partners and not just as another vendor. Um, I'm, I'm reading from Seeking Alpha in that case. Uh, that's how Seeking Alpha characterized it. So I thought that was great. Absolutely. It's a, it's a different approach where it's more inclusive and holistic of the situation that the, your customer is in and not just the area that you're trying to sell into, right? And I think the customer would appreciate that. Well, I know your team does quite a bit. Uh, and to dig into the details, you know, what is the, the team's charter or reason for being? And I know you do these things called BVAs, business value assessments. Perhaps you could add a, some detail into that as well. Yeah, I, I could talk all day on this, but I, uh, I'll i spare our, our podcast audience here and, and try to be succinct. Um, I guess first from a sales enablement perspective, this includes anticipating, you know, building, delivering, you know, ongoing buyer-centric uh, services and training for all Zscaler value sellers in the field. So we're, we're touching, touching everyone. Um, that's to drive mutually beneficial quality and scale. Uh, we talked a lot about speed and efficiency and, and all this boils down to true productivity for, for both our customers as well as Zscaler. And that's really important. Um, and then following up on that from a, a value consulting perspective, uh, collaborating directly with customers on due diligence and their investigations, um, you know, benefits analysis engagements. And so, so that from both a technical and operational assessment perspective, we're evaluating those use cases of required capabilities and then translating uh, qualitative findings into quantitative financial analysis. That, that's what we do. And in doing all these things, necessary to develop the services and tools and artifacts in a way that scales so that our customers in all segments can capitalize on them. Uh, I, I would say that's our charter. That's what we're here for. 
when you speak about the the customer, is the context one in which you have like the chief security officer or CISO and CIO or is there procurement and finance involved? Like how how does the the group look like that's interested in the value consulting services that you're providing? Yes, uh, we it, we find it's very important to get a, a broad set of stakeholders. So um, those, those roles you mentioned from security professionals and architects, uh, CISO, um, CIO and IT, um, you know, even, even the uh, service desk and IT support for uh, some of the digital experience uh, capability that we provide. I, I thought it was really interesting in talking with, um, with one customer recently, a, a medical device manufacturer, uh, the, the CIO there said, you know, really, uh, Mike, the best thing your team does is it, it gets all our belly buttons pointed in the same direction. Uh, so I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, but I think what he's really talking about is getting all stakeholders lined up and, and bought in on, on what they're trying to do. I like that. You know, I think people saying North Star is overused. Maybe we all point our belly buttons in the <laughs> same direction. <laughs> Great. Well, I understand that you provide the service uh, across all geographies and customer segments. So that's quite a bit in terms of scope for verticals and the different regulatory rules across the world, et cetera. And I'm sure this poses some challenges and some opportunities. Yeah, it definitely definitely poses some challenges for us. Um, you know, the sun doesn't really set on us or, or Zscaler, so to say. And kind of back to that, the notion of that secure and resilient enterprise theme. Um, you know, we operate in all, all geographies and segments. Uh, and it, for us, it's a challenge because we we live in a hybrid work environment, just like our customers, right? So we have those challenges facing us. So how do you, how do you serve those clients as well as innovate? Um, how do you spread the knowledge capital and examples and best practices that maybe you're finding or, or piloting in Australia uh, back in Europe and back in the Americas, you know, what are our, our principles and how do we do this? Uh, so we, we've worked really hard and we try to standardize and not reinvent the wheel every time uh, across both value and, and sales enablement. Uh, but at the same time, we do need to account for uh, the fact that there are some regional differences and some customer differences. So, you know, it takes a real concentrated effort. Uh, we, we have this notion of a, a value development life cycle, if you will, uh, we even, you know, we call this concept the value creation labs, where, you know, we consider all ideas and changes kind of like a software development lifecycle um, from concept through design and testing and piloting enablement and rollout, um, you know, gates when all those different steps. So this is part of our principles and how we're going to scale and provide consistency and and bring good ideas from from one team in one area to another, right, to make this sustainable. Uh, and our team, as I mentioned, is really good. Uh, and they're really fast at cooperating in this way because we all benefit and as well as our clients benefit from this. When you look at the different clients uh, across the, the verticals, for example, I'm sure you're witnessing an uneven distribution of you know, economic impact uh, for certain industries. Some are growing, some are stagnant, some are declining. Does that manifest itself in some of these discussions in terms of the either urgency or pause or scrutiny under which you're providing your service? Uh, I, I think we're seeing a pretty even distribution of, of kind of the economic impact um, across the different verticals. And in fact, even uh, the, 
the different geographies. I, I try to really keep in touch um, and have conversations with, with folks in each geography multiple times on a weekly basis and check in on, on this type of thing. Um, certainly some of the assessment work we do, there's, there's different threats um, and, and some different drivers uh, in different verticals. Um, you know, healthcare, for instance, is um, one of the ones where, you know, we see a lot uh, of increased attacks, right, and specific types of attacks to try to steal data and uh, intellectual property and things like that. Um, so, you know, we, we do have some, some tailoring we do for each industry, uh, but that's not totally different from other industries, for instance, retail, where uh, they also um, see see an increase in ransomware and data breach type of of attacks. So yeah, we, that's why I'm saying we kind of we do tailor a bit for each industry and geography, uh, but in essence, they're they're often faced with some of the same use cases and challenges. Before we get into some of the details of you know building the economic rationale and zero trust and cybersecurity, just out of curiosity, what's driving you personally uh, in this role? Oh, okay. Um, a personal question. All right. Uh, I like this. Well, honestly, uh, if I look at it, I'm I'm a bit competitive, uh, mostly against myself. Uh, at least I try try to be so. And um, what do they say? I, I've heard a saying: when you compare yourself to others, um, that's not good. And I think the saying is: comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, and I I think that's true, just philosophically, when I think about it. So I try to I try to avoid that, but. But if I look at it, you know, I ask myself, can I do better than than yesterday? Can I do better than the last time we tried this? And I'll say I've been lucky to work with some great mentors and and people who challenge me uh, from my time at Accenture, uh, several years there, uh, from from folks I've worked with at other great software companies, and now at Zscaler and and most especially at Zscaler, I think. And I believe, uh, and I, I, I do know, and I, I feel this, that we can leapfrog what we've done previously. Um, so that's, that's what motivates me. You know, how do we leverage the, the good of what we learned, eliminating or avoiding the mistakes or suboptimal decisions, if you will, uh, because we know better now. Uh, and that makes us faster in getting things done and done well and scaling. It gives us a competitive edge, I think, over other software companies, which, which is what we're shooting for. Uh, and then my teammates, uh, you know, when you do sales enablement, can up-level their game uh, and take that with them as their career progresses. And that's that's really important. And uh, just like I've been able to benefit from that. Um, so I'm motivated to build that modern, innovating team um, and service. And, and then that proves most beneficial for our clients. And I, I believe we're on that road. Mike, I appreciate you sharing that. I find that all of the folks I meet and work with as Zscaler pretty much have the same attitude and sentiment. Mm -hmm. So going back to the economic rationale for zero trust, now that we understand what motivates you, we understand uh, what you do and your team, let's dive into you know, the purpose, like I often think, is it modern prevention of cyber attacks and breaches enough to adopt what is a proven method? Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about uh, cyber attacks and does that provide enough kind of business justification for, uh, you know, for taking on a zero trust initiative and, and deploying Zscaler, I, I think you'd wish or you, you might hope that 
you know, just stating that, you know, cyber attacks are increasing would, would be enough. Um, there's that threat out there. And it's often the most, most important and key driver for our clients. Um, but I think, you know, that's where we're actually trying to help our clients articulate in a better manner because there does need to be uh, a more solid economic rationale we find uh, for, for taking on this type of transformational initiative. Um, you know, if you look at heritage security architectures, they do leave some vulnerabilities. Um, just read about the, the growing list of attempted and successful attacks, but you have to ask yourself, so what? What, is, what does that really mean from a, a business perspective specifically? And you need to drive that home in a credible way. And our, our customers need help on this. Uh, we've, we've done it before. It may not be their specialty to kind of put together a professional business case or analysis. So in that way, we're an extension of our team, as I've said before, um, because if you, if you think about it, it's not good enough to say Zscaler will protect you better than what you have today. Uh, you actually have to look at what's the actual risk of the status quo, um, what's the likelihood and impact and estimated dollars and time and brand and reputation. Uh, the way we used to tackle this, we used to say to a customer, well, a ransomware attack could cost you, say, $4.1 million. Uh, and clients would say, uh, that's true, or it could cost us zero this year. We've not even had a, a ransomware attack that's been successful, right? So that doesn't make the business case. That doesn't provide the justification. So, um, you know, then we, we did a little bit more around the estimated likelihood and impact magnitudes and, and to what degree does Zscaler help? And that proved better. Um, but then, you know, even more recently, we've evolved in a way that customers find even more credible uh, by baselining current state risk, uh, comparing that against a third-party attack framework like a, a MITRE or a NIST, and then doing analysis where geography and industry-based impact studies come into play, or, or even Monte Carlo probability analysis. And I know in a way this uh, might sound a little fancy and complicated, but we've actually streamlined to do this very quickly uh, because we interact with customers so frequently. And in that way, like, like we've mentioned, we help our customer articulate uh, the, the business justification in a way that provides clear economic rationale um, from things all the way from security risk, like we've been talking, to reducing or eliminating several technology components, uh, simplified and higher quality operations, uh, agile workflows and playbooks for competitive advantage for things like M&A, and, and one uh, really recently and importantly, a lighter carbon footprint and environmentally sustainable architecture uh, compared to that legacy status quo. So, so lots of things come into play there. Definitely. You touched on so many different topics that we could probe in, but at any rate, it sounds like in summary, it's the justification in an airtight, almost scientific model where you know there's some number for that ROI, right? I, th I think so. And it, it, it definitely quantitative, uh, but I, I would emphasize we, we definitely get the, the qualitative anecdotes and, and very specific, I guess, uh, you know, problem statements and capabilities that, that a particular customer would want. So it's kind of the marriage of both of those. And then from there, they're probably looking at value drivers and the benefits that they stand to gain. And I'm sure there's some misconceptions about secure digital transformation that uh, you learn about through your engagements that you work to uh, you know, dispel. Uh, can you share some stories or your point of view on that? Yeah, I think I think one that's popping up more and more is reliance on cyber insurance. Sometimes we press and ask 
what's going to be the response if there's a successful data breach or a ransomware attack? And uh, we'll hear from a client, well, we always have cyber insurance as a safety net, right? Um, but, you know, we found and in, in we challenged back, that's harder and harder to obtain these days. The underwriting is just not out there as much. Firms are backing off offering policies or they're making premiums uh, almost cost prohibitive. Uh, and then we hear if, if there is a breach, it can be really hard to collect payment for these claims. Uh, there are different insurance riders and restrictions that can make this really difficult. Uh, so we'll challenge and, and offer clients, hopefully in, a, in an advisory way. You know, let's, let's instead uh, help bolster the prevention of attacks in the first place, right? Start this journey to zero trust. Yes, it's, it's very transformative as your question asked, but it's also just really practical. So decrease your reliance on cyber insurance as a backstop uh, because it's actually, a, in a way, a much higher quality way to address this challenge if, if you do it proactively. And I think it'll help security people and all professionals with a vested interest uh, sleep a lot better at night. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, but what would you say to someone who is skeptical and you know, asks questions like, hey, is this just a TCO exercise to simply validate why you'd want to remove the legacy platforms and the traditional infrastructure and replace it with Zscaler? Yes, uh, in a way, there is that component to it, Chris. Uh, we do include technical debt, uh, cost takeout, cost avoidance uh, when we compare apples to apples. Uh, there's a lot there, and Zscaler is a great way to modernize, to simplify your hardware stack and various software components. Uh, when you look at them, you know, they may be more con connectivity instruments than actual security solutions. Uh, we've heard that from our clients. Uh, but we also add other direct and indirect or what more uh, might be considered strategic benefits. Uh, it's more comprehensive than just TCO. Uh, as I believe I mentioned, there are several different use cases and associated business outcomes our customers can and do achieve. Uh, we'll walk through all of them and document what's specific and applicable for each customer. So it, we talked about uh, getting the belly buttons pointing in the same direction. This includes various stakeholders or beneficiaries. Uh, what are they gonna get out of it? What are their different currencies, if you will? Uh, it's, it's cost savings for sure, but uh, often it's other currencies like speed and quality, risk mitigation, uh, brand, uh, ESG components, and then you know doing more with less. We hear that a lot. So you know back to our initial mention of change agents within an organization, uh, how can they garner the most support within their enterprise to put that case forward and gain approval uh, for this positive change they're working to make. Well, let's go back to the earlier topic of the economic climate. And, you know, we're all seeing it or hearing it or experiencing mm -hmm. some tough economic times. So talk to me about what you're seeing and hearing from enterprises like in general and what that may mean for IT investments. Uh, yeah, definitely. The, the climate has shifted uh, pretty dramatically. I think we're all seeing that. Um, we used to do these, these business analyses about saving money uh, and then opportunities for rationalization and operational efficiency, et cetera. Um, Zscaler does provide these benefit opportunities, uh, but maybe in the last two to three years or so, uh, when enterprises were in more of a market expansion mode and, and budget and personnel growth was happening, uh, they weren't as pressed to actually turn off all those extra firewalls 
or maybe accelerate the cancellation of those expensive legacy software licensing contracts, uh, those, those kind of opportunities that Zscaler does provide. Um, but now uh, with the climate changing, now they are. <laughs> now there's a, a good opportunity to actually achieve the savings that executives and the businesses are demanding due to that tightening economy. Um, and then one other thing, there's that operational savings that Zscaler provides. You know, sometimes that's not considered, uh, you know, a budget item or its efficiency is a, a soft dollar savings. Well, I think it's uh, no longer considered indirect savings so much. It's more, it's becoming more of a hard dollar cost savings result because companies restrict hiring, uh, retention is very hard, and they require their teams to tighten the belt and do more with less. So in that way, operational efficiency is coming into play a lot more. Right. So it sounds like as much as cost takeout is an outcome and could be a value driver for some customers, there's also the business enabling functions of a zero trust architecture. But altogether, you would get some measure of an ultimate benefit, right? And those just have to play out over time. So that's mm -hmm. from an existing customer point of view. But what about enterprises looking to add or expand you know, with the Zscaler platform for the first time? Right, right. Um, yeah, we're definitely at the, the heart of what they need to consider. Um, maybe they're already a customer of Zscaler and they, they have, you know, different competing um, or I guess complementary solutions. I, there is a good uh, visual uh, from, from IBM where they, they've done the survey and, you know, the average enterprise has around 30 uh, different security point products uh, in play, right? But their, their study goes on to say that's, that's not the ideal state and enterprises are looking to, to greatly simplify uh, that security platform and, and vendor consolidation. So, um, you know, we, we have to think about which projects will resonate from that standpoint with both the CIO and the CFO. Um, and I, I think it's it's good to, there's so much focus on the CFO these days. I, I think somehow CFOs have got this bad label of being merely bean counters um, and strict accountants. But I think people listening to this podcast, I think a lot of them probably have uh, finance or MBAs degrees, right? And and they'll certainly remember the, the very training they received. Um, which was much more comprehensive and strategic in nature if, if you're a finance person. And there's variables around cost, revenue, and risk, and then the different weights and equations that, that factor into each. Um, so I think you need to keep that in mind. And, and then, of course, from a CIO perspective, how do you enable the business? As you said, um, you know, there's this free flow of mass amounts of data and information going on. How do you protect that data and intellectual property uh, without slowing down the business? Uh, because they're looking for competitive advantage to gain market share, right? So if you dig into that, you can see why cybersecurity remains and, and zero trust is at the, the top of the initiatives that are must-haves in this environment. They rise to the top of the stack. Um, and these executives are looking to do more and more to consolidate and simplify on you know, what we say is Zscaler's robust zero trust architecture, right? It's, it's just logical, it just makes sense. Right, and I imagine you're pulling from your experiences speaking to countless companies. I know your team does you know, hundreds of these business value assessments. So I'm curious, you know, have there been any surprising or aha moments in those interactions uh, that you could share that go beyond like the general themes that you're seeing? 
Yeah, I definitely have something to share. I, I do love all client interactions. We we pick up so much information and and they do help sharpen the saw, uh, if you will, especially when you get constructive feedback, uh, you learn a lot, right? So uh, I think that's, that's what my team really enjoys. They get so much um, kind of knowledge that they can share with fellow customers. Um, that's the great thing uh, for my team and about this job. Uh, but I kind of to your question, there's there's one interaction recently that I remember, um, you know, with our team uh, during a customer workshop recently. Uh, a CISO commented to us, and this is a quote. Uh, she commented, I, "I've instructed my people to stop saying no to the business." So that it was an interesting comment that I had not heard before. So, you know, we we thought about it a bit, and and we say, "What is she really saying?" It sounds like there's uh, maybe a bad experience or some pain there. Uh, so I think for one, this this CISO likely had received complaints that her security team was probably had the negative reputation of always saying no when the business asked if they could do this or that. You know, and as a, a security-minded person myself, I can understand why. I mean, we're protecting the business, we're reducing risk. We can't open up these new channels, allow this access or speed up business imperatives or changes. You know, that sorry, we just don't have that flexibility. We're we're limited with what we can do. Um, so we've seen this so many times over with clients, Chris. Uh, we've even have a name or coin the term for it, which is the CISO's dilemma. Um, so they they might be saying, my legacy architecture imposes trade-offs. I can't improve agility or user experience, for instance, that the business is asking for without sacrificing rigor and security. Um, and, and we find it's it's it makes this job a lot of fun. It's actually quite liberating uh, when we're able to model that out and test use cases that allow for complementarity between these vectors. Uh, for instance, pushing security checks further out to the edge and making applications dark to the internet, uh, effectively eliminating that attack surface. Uh, it actually simplifies user experience and often opens up um, some possibilities, I would say, for more agile workflows and processes uh, so that the business can ideate you know, and, and envision some things and deploy more services. So. Uh, to me, these types of things are definitely aha learning experiences and and ones that we like to share. You know, your discussion around the CISO's dilemma, for one, is definitely something I could probably pitch to over to the CISO's gambit, you know, one of our other podcasts. Mm. So I appreciate that uh, perspective. So I have one more question in terms of a wrap-up, you know, how do you think IT organizations can better insulate against economic volatility while pursuing, you know, long-term strategies? Yeah, that's a that's a hard one, right? How do you balance kind of the immediate immediate term impact with kind of long-term goals and strategies, right? So um, we've we've thought a lot about this and I would say we're advising in this way. It's it's kind of a tale of two enterprises. If if I could relate, um, if I could borrow a, a title badly and kind of relate some some customer examples that we've recently been working on, um, I would say there's uh, these two customers. Uh, they're both in retail, um, and I'll just kind of relate their their stories and and what we're kind of currently working on with them. But uh, one one enterprise pushed very aggressively for for change and zero trust. Um, they've deployed quickly over the last few months, and they're already reaping security benefits immediately. Um, and before they did this, you know, the business case that 
that we collaborated on said they would get some cost savings over time. Uh, you know, their executives were asking questions about, well, how soon and and are these savings immediate, right? So it's it's definitely not easy. Um, and the I would say the multiple change agents we worked with, and we did have multiple, they did an excellent job of outlining the benefits and savings over time and visualizing that. Um, what would be the impact of not renewing unnecessary contracts, um, not having to refresh, uh, refresh larger stacks of hardware over years one, two, and three, um, you know, reducing network bandwidth and related costs. So they, they painted that picture and gained buy-in from various stakeholders that, that the executives appreciated. And uh, very, very recently, back in December, uh, they told us, hey, we, we just turned off all our VPN. Uh, they are really proud of that. That's why they wanted to, to talk to us about it. Um, already, you know, they're already harvesting some firewalls for other purposes. Uh, their SaaS operations are greatly simplified. And they're, they're actually challenging Zscaler back, you know, on that, that secure and resilient enterprise. They're pushing us uh, even further. So there's a lot of give and take uh, between, between us and, and this enterprise. Um, and compare that, and it, this this does happen. Uh, a different a different enterprise we're still working with. Um, they considered moving to zero trust about eight months ago. It was hard. We we didn't end up gaining much traction with stakeholders within the enterprise. Um, even even though they wanted to improve security and reduce risk, uh, we just couldn't find that that person or you know persons really who would want to fight for this change. Uh, the status quo is is still in play, uh, despite all the complaints we hear about. And I'm I'm relating this because it's it's on it's on me and my team as as much as I say this in terms of a missed opportunity. Uh, and I'll just say, just to be clear, we we've not given up on this one. Mike, thank you for sharing that perspective. Sounds like an amazing mission. And if someone wants to learn more about zero trust business value assessments and the work that you can do, uh, how can they get in touch? Yeah, yeah, I would encourage. Um, well, for for starters. Um, you can always reach out to me if you want to chat uh, or find out more on any of these topics uh, via LinkedIn. So Mike Murphy, um, I'm the only Mike Murphy at this point at Zscaler. So it's easy to find me on LinkedIn. And then, as I said, we through sales enablement, um, uh, you know, basically your, your account manager. So all, you know, all our field account managers that you're working with are well-versed in this. So they can help you and they can get you in touch with me or someone on my team. So definitely reach out to your local account manager on that. We've been listening to Mike Murphy, Vice President, Global Value Creation at Zscaler. Please send your CISO to Miami next month so they can meet Mike in person. And Mike, thank you very much for your time today. All right. Thanks, Chris. Um, thanks for this opportunity. I hope uh, what I've shared today sparks some good ideas and, and conversations for those listening. Thanks for listening to the CIO Evolution. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find more episodes along with other podcasts on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of the recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created 
by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.